Gracious God, we are so thankful for you, for your presence, for your love for us. We are thankful that you are our helper indeed. We are thankful, Lord, that you are with us. We are thank you, thank, thankful that you are our guard, that you are our keeper, that you are the one who preserves us. God, I pray that you would um, bless this service. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in, in thy sight. God, speak to our hearts. Encourage us today. Help us to know that when we go out to do your will, Lord, in whatever we're experiencing in this season of our lives, that you are our help. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Good morning, Grace City family. It's wonderful to see you this morning. Um, so again, I'm Tolu Shasanya, and it is certainly an honor to um, have this opportunity to stand before you and to share the word. It's been a while, so I'm going to ask you to pray for me, as I have already prayed for you. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start off by just saying where I think this church is. My participation in this church and my involvement with the reconciliation ministry um, and kind of where we're going and what we're doing from my perspective. I believe that our church is on a journey to go deeper into our mission, which is by the grace of Jesus Christ to reconcile people to God and to one another. However, each of us is also on our own individual journeys. We're all traveling some type of journey, whether it be related to work, to ministry, whether it be related to our families or work in our neighborhoods. We each have an individual journey. We may even be traveling journeys that are internal, emotional journeys, where we're seeking God for a deeper sense of healthy emotional state, or a spiritual journey where we are seeking God for a healthier spiritual state, or physical journeys where we are seeking God for restoration and healing in our physical bodies. Life is full of journeys, and whether we acknowledge it or not, we all could use some help on any journey that we're traveling. The question is, where does our help come from? And who is available to help us? And will that help be sufficient? During the 1960s, the British rock band, The Beatles, raise your hand if you're a Beatles fan. Lots of folks, that's why I put it in here because I know who I'm talking to. They quickly rose to fame Hailing from the port city of Liverpool, England, the band soon found themselves in the international spotlight with unparalleled popularity. Their journey from the humble beginnings of Liverpool to acclaim not only in the United Kingdom but also in the United States came, yes, with tangible benefits, but also inwardly with distress. John Lennon describes himself as feeling depressed during that time, and it was in his distress that he wrote the song, Help, one of two songs that he lists as being his most genuine. The lyrics go like this. I need somebody, not just anybody. You know, I need somebody, help. When I was young, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. But now, these days are gone. I'm not so self-assured. Now I find I've changed my mind and opened up the doors. Help me if you can. I'm feeling down. 
and I do appreciate you being round. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me? See, it doesn't matter how many times you've traveled a road. We all need some help. For an example, when Leonard wrote the song Help, along with Paul McCarty, the Beatles had already hit number one on the Billboard charts for multiple songs. And yet, even after such fame, he found himself still needing help. It doesn't matter how experienced we are or accomplished we are. When we're journeying to fulfill God's purpose for our lives, we can all use some help. And as Christians, we know that our help comes from the Lord. It doesn't matter our educational level, our financial resources, our physical strength, our network, our ability to adapt. All of these things are good, yes. But it is important to remember that the source of our strength is the Lord. We seek God for help because he is the giver of wisdom, which is the application of knowledge. And he is the one who is able to turn the hearts of people and make seemingly impossible situations possible and seemingly unachievable goals achievable. This is the kind of help that comes from the Lord. So as we look at Psalm 121, let us hear the psalmist's admonishment to turn to the Lord, to put our trust in the maker of heaven and earth, and to travel our journeys with both individual, both our journeys individual and communal with our hearts in the hands of God. We do this knowing that if we look to God as our help, the one who gives us support, relief, assistance, the one who watches over us, the one who guides us and protects us, that yes, he will deliver us. Reading from the King James Version, verse 3 of Psalm 21 says, The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall keep thee, and he will not slumber. The Hebrew word for keep and preserve is shamar, which means to keep, to put a hedge around, to guard, to protect, to attend to. So no matter where we find ourselves along the journey and no matter what, what journey we're traveling at the moment, we are to look to God for help. He will protect us and keep us. Psalm 21 is a song of ascent known as a traveler's psalm. It, make, it marks the Israelites' pilgrimage from nearby towns and bordering countries to the Temple of Jerusalem. Jews from all over would travel to the Shiloh Pool in the city of David, which served as the base point for the pilgrimage, and then they would walk up the hill to the top of the mountain where the temple was located. And there they would pray and offer sacrifices three times a year. The first time would be for Passover, the second time would be for Pentecost, and the third time would be for the Feast of Tabernacles, each time offering a sacrifice. You see, the journey to the temple was not unfamiliar to them. They did it three times a year. But the psalmist still exclaims that God is our help. The Jewish people were making these pilgrimages so often to commemorate what God had already done and to worship him for it. However, may I suggest that they weren't just going to give God praise and to give um, sacrifices, but they also knew that they would receive something by going to the temple. They knew that they would get some type of spiritual or emotional deposit that allowed them to cling more tightly to the God of their faith and to grow in their faith as they entered into the temple to worship God. 
during their journey, the Israelites were moving toward God, as Pastor Bob told us last week. We don't know what they experienced trying to get to the temple. They may have had a rough week the week prior. They may have had a rough journey itself to the temple. But they still traveled. And their pilgrimage symbolizes their movement toward God. They could have encountered dangers, but they still moved towards God. So listen to the words of the psalm. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. We heard the word watch a lot there. So the psalmist actually highlights God as being our helper in verse 2 to being the God who watches over us in verses 3 through 8. The fact that the psalmist highlights protection, God watching over us during the pilgrimage to the temple, implies that there had to be some type of danger involved in the journey. He cites that God watches over us five times in just six verses. You may ask yourself, well, what kind of danger was there? Some who have preached this passage before have noted that dangers could have consisted of robbers, wild animals, heat stroke from the sun, severe changes in the weather, which that climate is subject to, moon stroke, which is where the rays from the moon uh, were believed to induce emotional distress and anxiety. So you can see that the travelers needed some help along the way. This leads me to my first point. There are uncertainties during the journey. In Brenda Salter McNear's book, Roadmap to Reconciliation 2.2, that's a little time for the book club, she quotes a friend describing the emotional journey of those drafted in to lead in the work of reconciliation. Her friend says, at some point I begin to doubt myself, my own sense of confidence begins to wane, and I begin to wonder whether I am actually, whether I actually was any good in the first place. This is a colleague of Dr. McNeil's, a person who has exposure and experience in the area of reconciliation, and yet she finds herself confronted with doubt when given the opportunity to lead. You may question your own contributions to our work here at Grace City and the work that we're doing in terms of flavor groups, book clubs, all the activities, trips to the museum. However, I want you to know that you're in good company. If someone has been in ministry for 30 years and they're questioning themselves, then you have nothing to worry about. There may be some people here today who have been called to lead in different areas of ministry. Maybe you're called to lead in the courtroom or the boardroom. Maybe your ministry is in the classroom. Maybe your conversations in the lunchroom are, is your ministry because you're leading people to Christ and allowing your light to shine there. There are various ways and various settings in which you could find yourself having influence, but there's also the danger of doubt. 
You may believe that God has called you to a specific place, and yet the danger of doubt has crept in, and doubt has generated, has turned into fear. You believe that you're moving in the right direction. You believe God has opened the door for you to lead, and yet doubt becomes a danger that could keep you from fulfilling your purpose in the area to which you're called. This is a danger that could keep you from reaching your goal. This doubt could keep you from pressing forward to obtain all that God has for you. Don't let doubt hinder your ability to fulfill God's plan for your life. Ask the Lord for help and overcome doubt. Know that Christ's spirit lives in you and will guide you to a place of rest and focus. The temple represents the place where God's presence dwells. We are moving, the people were moving toward God's temple, the place where you are able to commemorate all that he's done in your life and to worship, worship him for all that he is, is doing and who he is. Keep walking towards the temple, to the place where you will receive rest and revelation. I encourage you today, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, has the final say about our outcomes. Look to him, cry out to him, worship him, Trust him. He is the maker of heaven and earth, and therefore, he is able to help us in any circumstance. So there's the danger of doubt. We also have the danger of uncertainty. In the story of David, we know that David was at one time called to be a companion to Saul, to play the harp for Saul any time that he was abused or inflicted by an evil spirit. David then went on to kill Goliath in battle, and that wasn't even of his own doing. It just happened to be that he was there. Goliath spoke against the God of the Israelites, and David fought Goliath and won. After that, people began to say, David has killed his, Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed his tens of thousands. In this moment, Saul begins to feel rage and inferiority and, and, and jealousy. He is insecure in his status as king to the point that he wants to kill David. Saul is already in a position of power and influence, but instead of moving towards God, instead of keeping his eye on the temple, on the purpose to which God has called him, on this, in the season for which God has called him, he allowed what others said to generate emotions in him that caused him to sin. When we put so much weight on the non-productive conversations of others, it causes us to take our eyes off of God Amen. and overemphasize how we feel and what we want. And sometimes those things are not so good. We lose sight of the grace that God has already applied to our lives, and we start comparing ourselves to others. We consume the bad publicity that is circulating about us, instead of reminding ourselves that the Lord will not let our foot slip, and that he neither slumbers nor sleeps, but he is watching over us 24-7. When we find ourselves in this place of despair, we need to ask the Lord for help. When we find ourselves in this place, we need to heed what Proverbs 3, 5, and 7 says, 3, chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. As we are seeking to fulfill God's purpose for our lives, whether it be individual or collective, there may be other dangers that we encounter. 
We may encounter the danger of destructive opposition. Notice that I said destructive. That's because not all opposition is destructive. Destructive opposition is that which intentionally seeks to tear one down, ruin one's reputation, or purposely distract one so that he or she can falter. It is competitive, seeking to be a winner instead of a collaborator. This type of opposition has no place in the kingdom of God. It is not helpful for building up one another. On the contrary, healthy opposition might challenge us to grow, to consider alternative perspectives, to green line instead of red line, to listen instead of judge, to create a more inclusive framework in whatever we're engaged in. Healthy opposition will result in deeper understanding and deeper relationships, while destructive opposition will result in division and discord. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So when we find ourselves confronted with destructive opposition, let us cry out to the Lord and ask for help. Let us ask for help the help that we need to withstand criticism, and let us ask for the help, the help that we need to build others up. It is not uncommon for us to come across distractions, to come across dangers, as we're journeying towards God's purpose, trying to do something for the kingdom of God. When we're moving towards God, seeking to give him glory, we can rest assured there will be opposition. Paul tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Then he tells us, therefore, put on the full armor of God. And that armor includes faith, which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. It includes the helmet of salvation. It includes the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And Paul tells us to pray on all occasions. So, again, it doesn't matter if we are confronted with doubt, we know that our help comes from the Lord. It doesn't matter if we're confronted with insecurity, we know that our help comes from the Lord. It doesn't matter if we're confronted with opposition, our help comes from the Lord. I know that our help comes from the Lord. If we are seeking the Lord and his purpose for our lives, we, he will guard us and keep us and preserve us, both now and forevermore. There are a myriad of uncertainties that we can face as we journey towards God's purpose for our lives. I encourage you to trust in the Lord. Trust God for the individual journeys and trust him for the collective journeys that we have as a community. Here at GC, we are on a journey of reconciliation. And that's a beautiful thing. This journey is collective. It is communal. I encourage us to deal with the uncomfortable conversations, to ask the Lord for help. When we, when we are confronted with uncomfortable conversations. When we are presented with ideas that make us uncomfortable, let us ask the Lord for help. When we hear comments that make us uncomfortable, let us ask the Lord for help. And if we don't quite know where we fit in in the scheme of our journey on reconciliation, let us ask the Lord for help. You can also ask Kristen how to get involved. <laughs> When the Israelites traveled to the temple in Jerusalem, there were thousands of people journeying for the same purpose of giving God praise and offering sacrifices. We may be in a, on a communal journey of reconciliation, 
Let us keep our hearts and mind focused on giving God praise and commemorating what he's already done. Point number two. How am I doing on time? Okay. Point number two. There is hope during the journey. We have hope during the journey because the psalmist tells us God will not let our foot slip. When the Israelites were journeying to the temple, they would walk across various terrain. Jerusalem was built on a hill, and so at the top of the hill was the temple. It was as if they were hiking. And so if we have any hikers here, you probably want to make sure, I know Angie is a hiker, you want to make sure you have your nice hiking shoes, maybe some type of equipment to help you balance or get an anchor. But they were making this journey three times a year without any hiking equipment, just with their leather sandals. And so the psalmist admonishes them, God will not, he will not let your foot slip. Ask the Lord for help. We have hope because God does not slumber nor sleep. The Hebrew translation for these words indicates that God will not even grow tired. He will not nod off. His eyes won't get heavy like many of ours do when we sit through lectures or sermons. But God is alert 24-7. He is awake, he is aware, and he is ready to help us. The psalmist makes clear that God is available to help us and that he does not sleep. He is fully attentive 24-7 for our entire lives. And this is the reason why we have hope. We also have hope because we know that God is ready to help us in any moment. I give an illustration from Psalm 107, verses 4 through 6. It says, Some wandered in the desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. The psalm goes on to give many examples of when the Israelites found themselves in trouble, and every time, the refrain ends in, and he delivered them from their distress. Whenever we find ourselves in need, God is always available to hear our prayers and deliver us from our distress. God is alert and always ready to help, guard, protect, and deliver. Psalm 147, the psalmist says, The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their trust in his unfailing love. That's a wonderful thing. When we put our hope in God's love, when we put our hope in God and his ability to help us, that actually delights God. He takes joy in that. So let us put our hope in God and trust him. My third and final point is the blessedness in fulfilling our journey. When the Israelites reached the temple, they worshiped God. They offered up prayers and gave God praise. Each pilgrimage had a different purpose, but all culminated in reaching the temple, drawing near to God. The pilgrimages involved grain offerings, fruit offerings, festivals, Torah readings, food, fellowship, nightly vigils. Reaching the temple was an opportunity to bless God, but it was also an opportunity to receive blessings from being around other worshipers, hearing the word of God, and being open to the transforming power of God's presence. Reaching the temple was a time to rejoice, a time to remember, and a time to comm commemorate all that God had done for the traveler and for the Israelites in past generations. 
past generations. In this message, I've referred to the temple as the place where the Israelites went to meet with God. However, for our contemporary application today, I want us to consider our journey to the temple as our journey into God's presence. Throughout, I have suggested that getting into God's presence, for example, going to the temple, requires a constant reliance on him that can be achieved by asking him for help and trusting in his provision. For the purpose of this message, I've also referred to the temple as a signifier for commemorating God's grace or his work in our life. We can relate this to how he calls us to fulfill a task or assignment for his glory. So I ask today, what journey or journeys are you on in this season of your life? Are you, are we collectively moving toward God while we are on our journeys? Or have we gotten distracted by the dangers of our journeys? Have doubt, fear, insecurity, or destructive opposition captured our attention, so much so that we are no longer focused on fulfilling the assignment to which God has called us. I encourage us today, let us remain faithful to that which God has called us. If Abraham had not stayed focused on the promise that God had given him, then he would not have become the father of nations. He would not have fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant. If Esther had not stayed focused on her assignment, if she had not remained faithful to the call that God had given her, her people would have been annihilated. And can you imagine if Jesus wasn't faithful to his assignment? If he hadn't journeyed to the cross? We would all experience utter distress, life without the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit, without the redemptive work that is possible only because of what Christ did on the cross. Jesus gave his life for us so that we could be saved from the presence and penalty of sin and have the opportunity to be reconciled to God. And he made these gifts, the gift of salvation, the gift of reconciliation, totally free to us. All that is required of us is that we confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. This is how we experience the gift of our Savior. And that is just the beginning of our relationship with him. God wants us to stay in communion with him through his son, Jesus. He wants us to ask him for help. He delights in us when we ask him for help. Everything God has put on our plates for us to do, he is willing to help us fulfill it, to help us fulfill our journey. That's something to rejoice about. In closing, let us be mindful that our society emphasizes self-sufficiency and independence. This may subconsciously influence our willingness to depend on God. Just remember that God delights in us when we trust him, when we depend on him, and when we ask him for help. Each of our journeys may look different, but whatever journey you find yourself traveling, stay focused on reaching the temple, on getting to the place where you are in God's presence and fulfilling what he has called you to do. The good news is that we, have, that we don't have to physically travel to a location to experience God's presence. 
1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit resides in us. And sometimes our journey is simply getting to a place where we are aware of his presence and available to his spirit to lead us. So stay on the journey. Don't allow the uncertainties of life to distract you, to distract you but remain hopeful in the power and provision of the living God. Not only will you be blessed, but those around you will be blessed when you fulfill what God has given you to do. God bless you. God loves you. Amen.